The Deal with Yield is a podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. Tune in to episodes on iTunes, My Farm Radio, and thedealwithyield.com. Tweet any question you have for the hosts with the hashtag DealWithYield for your chance to hear their response. You're listening to The Deal with Yield and getting back into it, Kyle, we're talking about planner preparation for the spring. What sort of things do you think about when you're getting ready? So Joel, the things I think about is when my dad was getting a planner out when I was young. I mean, the simple things was check your discs. Are they within a half inch of what they were when they're new? If they're not, that could create a W shape in the bottom of the seed trench. That could be an issue. Looking at the bushings, picking up back of the rows and shaking around a little bit to see if there's any kind of play in there that'll throw off chains obviously if the chains are rusty right or jumping over the sprockets if they're not set tight enough that can be a big issue taking your meters in i mean that'd be a great thing for all guys to think about take your meters in put them on the stand at the implement or whoever you think is best in that space to provide you with data that comes back and tells you within accuracy or not you always get the right seed size that you want you know joel in a perfect world, you would. But as we spend time in our profession, nothing is guaranteed in life other than paying taxes and dying. So no, uh, seed size is not always what you want. And by taking in different seed sizes, run them through the meter, you'll fully understand what you're getting. And within the specs, uh, three to five percent off could be ten dollars plus an acre. So it's very crucial to get that. Just seed tube wear. I mean, if you're driving fairly high clip or if you have a lot of rocks in your gown, if you hit a rock or something or just the wear on your seed tube, if it gets a little kinked in the corner, that could drag some seeds or make seeds bounce. Your roll cleaners. Obviously, you got to make sure that the bearings are good in your roll cleaners. Set properly. It's a little tough to do in the snow banks. But as soon as you get the planter out and set in the field, you just want to be throwing the residue and not plowing with them. They are a disc opener and not a plow. Otherwise, they'd call them a plow. The other thing, I think as I grow older, I figure stuff is going to fail over time, and planters do get used more than one year. We put hose clamps on all our seed tubes. And so the reason why is first-hand experience, seed tube falls off and you're planting, and you don't see the seed tube fall off. And there could be multiple units of corn or beans spilled on the ground. And that's about as depressing as uh, maybe a 26, 27-yard field goal missed at the end of the game to send in playoffs, Joel. <laughs> I can see how that would be painful. And you know what? You are looking a little bit older, so you must be getting wiser. I know that uh, I might be getting a little older this year, too, because the little numbers on those monitors aren't as big as they used to be. And row 12 this year gave me trouble for at least four rounds before I got out and realized that row 12 looked like row 13 and I didn't get the right row. So I've got at least a couple of fields where there's a a row or two missing. When you think about spring planting conditions, it's all about seed to soil contact and having warm temperatures. So certainly starter systems, making sure that they're up for the challenge, making sure that you are able to put some phosphorus-based starter fertilizer down there and meet that plant's early season nutritional demands, I think is one of the crucial aspects of making sure your planter's gone over. I know that some folks like to store their phosphorus starter fertilizers as a winterizer. 
Of course, if they've got zinc in there, that chelation tends to break down during the wintertime, and then they wind up with some precipitate in there. So one good thing I like to do is make sure your planter's got winterized with some RV antifreeze, and they're ready to go for spring. But that starter system can be a really crucial piece to starting out the year. Kyle, any other nutrients you can think of for starting out spring successfully? So Ascend, we use our plant growth regulator. We always put in there, and then also zinc is the imbibing process of the seed to start the germination process you need both the gerbilic acid which is within our ascend product and you also need zinc to get that process started and so the biggest thing for us is we want to get those plants up and out of the ground within 24 to 36 hours of each other as they emerge so if we can do that the plant stands are going to be uniform they're not going to be competing against each other for uh, sunlight and that goes to start a good season if you plant the right population and get them all emerged right that's all you can do is we can only handle the stuff that we can control you know i think when we talk about getting planters ready for the field one of the big things that comes up is variable rate planning and we used to run a Cyclo 800 International, which was the original variable rate planner because it just kind of spilled seed as you went. But uh, I think the technologies for these have come a long ways and the ability for the tractor's GPS to control the amount of seeds in any given geography is one thing that blows my mind every time that it actually works on the planner. Certainly uh, making sure that your auto row shutoffs, I've seen some farmers from a saving standpoint start to increase the amount of row clutches on their planter so that the uh, point rows, the auto row shutoffs are starting to become a cost savings for growers from seed standpoint. But they're also putting those row clutches on for starter fertilizer as well so that your sections are shutting off in smaller and smaller components. And that little bit adds up over the course of it. So Kyle, any other uh, planter equipment tips? You know, I always tell people to put their graphite talc mixture in the bottom of their seed tanks, whether you're running a bushel seed boxes or if you're running a CCS tank. It just helps the flow of material to go through those tanks as they're pressurizing the vacs and the blowers work. It kind of coats the tubes. Everything flows through a little bit better. Those are kind of the tips that I run with them. If they have anything, any rubberized bushings or or gaskets that are within the seed tubes, I always tell them, you know, maybe replace them. And if they don't want to replace them, they can use the old-fashioned electrical tape works sometimes. So when the CCS or these larger planters unfold themselves and the tubes aren't as flexible as they used to, sometimes they loosen up too. So just check that stuff out during the winter months to uh, better be prepared for springtime. You know, last year I saw a multi-hybrid planter in action. And that was pretty cool from the standpoint of having those dual CCS tanks that were able to deliver seed independently, two different varieties to the row. Some of the results on that this last year helped us understand that varieties can have better placement given the planter's ability to subfield put them into the environment that they actually belong in. And I, I thought that was kind of a cool thing. I also saw a uh, retailer write their precision ag logo with a prescription using a different tasseled colored hybrid and they actually wrote their prescription in the field and then took a picture of that midsummer with a drone so i thought that was a pretty cool planner trick that somebody had done last year i think another thing that was new in my space last year's on planner was my first experience with a 10 mile an hour proven planter 
not throwing out any brands any better than any other one, but I was skeptical at first. We did some stand evals, standard deviation, and they do what they're supposed to do. They say 10 miles an hour. I found that nine works the best in the soil that was provided for us last year, but that doesn't mean all planters can plant it. 10 miles an hour. And the thing that I always remember growing up and I really did not like to do, and it's not everywhere, is pick up these things called rocks, Joel. They're usually made of something like granite. And at 10 miles an hour, when you're moving in a tractor and you hit a big one, it tends to do more damage at 10 miles an hour than it does at five miles an hour. So not all planters are created equal. Some are capable of doing a little bit more than others but always know your machinery. Didn't they have that on Mythbusters where the faster you drive, the less bumps you feel? I can't remember if they busted that myth or not. Yeah, I think these high-speed planters are certainly a marvel of engineering in that they've mechanized the seed tube and they're able to place that seed basically at zero miles an hour because they match the ground speed with the mechanization of the seed tube. Of course, the first year that I saw it, I saw the planter run at five miles an hour and at 10 miles an hour. And in both situations, they hadn't put starter fertilizer on corn. So both stands came up. They both looked identically perfect. Their standard deviation was less than two inches. So within two inches, each plant was perfect on that planter. But at five miles an hour, the corn plants were purple. And at 10 miles an hour, the corn plants were purple. What do you think we were missing, Kyle? starter. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a fun thing. The dealer was so excited that they were able to plant 10 miles an hour. And as an agronomist, I was less than enthused that it got in so fast without phosphorus starter fertilizer. What other factors have you seen on these new high-speed planters that go into making a good crop? I think uh, leveling the soil is a big key. I talked to an engineer from uh, one of the firms that I'm not going to talk about right now on a company, and he says, it's my duty to make a planter capable of planting 10 miles an hour. It's not my duty to level the field out. So I'm the engineer for planters. And so I kind of had the joke about the rocks also that you can hit, but I thought it was quite funny when I YouTubed it. I see this guy that was planting 12 plus miles an hour and he reminds me of a guy riding on a poco stick inside the tractor and he was just bouncing, almost hitting his head on top, but he was driving the speed <laughs> that the manufacturer said it was all right. So that all goes back to leveling, uh, using a crumbler or a harrow or something to do behind the field cultivator to make it as smooth as possible to get the soil to seed contact that you need. The other thing too is I think about planting is it's more than just getting in the tractor and driving. Prior to, you should be raising your planter up setting down a piece of two by four just making sure all the units are setting level the other thing is to actually put a level on the planter and making sure it's not tip forward or tip back because if it's tip forward you could not close the row like you're capable of closing or the manufacturer wants you to close the row so it's just the little tips whether you got a different tractor over the winter or not it's just something to take a look at I wish the dealership that we were working with had a better tape measure because it turns out that they set up the markers about six inches too far out on both sides. And in the rare occasion that I lost GPS last year, you have no idea how much brain power it takes to drive six inches to the right of the center of the tractor on the way down and six inches to the left of the tractor on the way back and remember which direction you were traveling. So I, of course, after the third round of doing that, got out and knocked them in a good six inches. But it just took a little bit too much brain capacity for me to drive the tractor and plant the corn. That's hard to keep them on the hill without GPS. Yeah. Imagine that, Joel. 
our grandfathers and fathers used to plant like that all the time. <laughs> You've been listening to The Deal with Yield with Joel Whipperfirth, Winfield Ag Technology Application Lead and Winfield Master Agronomy Advisor, Kyle Reiner. For additional episodes of The Deal with Yield, visit iTunes, My Farm Radio, and thedealwithyield.com. Tweet any question you have for the host with the hashtag DealWithYield.